Welcome to the Field of Twelves Week 7 Best Bet Show presented by our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. My name is Rob Doster. I have with me today the one and only Greg Waddell, a.k.a. G-Wizzy, B.K.A., the king of the retirement parlay. We're going to be getting to that in about 30 minutes here at the end of the show. We're going to be breaking down some money line underdogs. We're going to be talking a little bit about uh, Heisman futures and whether or not there's any value on those lines. But before we get into any of that, Greg, before we talk about anything else, this is what you said to me. I am so excited for this Saturday slate. I love it. And I'm not actually lying about it this week. What, what are you most looking forward to on Saturday? I mean, the matchups, right? There's two top 10 matchups. There's a third top 15 matchup. There's like 100 different top 25 matchups. We're into the thick of the season where the good teams have to play each other. It's no longer just everybody's 6-0 and and we have 11 different teams we could see make the college football playoff. Now they're going to start biting each other at the heels. Penn State, Michigan, Alabama, Tennessee, Oklahoma State, TCU. I mean, these are just great games to watch, let alone bet on. And to let the people out there know where my head is at right now, as soon as this show wraps, I'm going to go get an iced coffee. I'm going to go play nine holes in 45-degree weather in Michigan. I'm going to come home. I'm going to sit my ass on the couch. I'm going to bet playoff baseball. And then I'm going to lock in for 24 hours of college football betting tomorrow. This is a profitable weekend, Doster. Hey, look, I don't know about you. I need one of those. Okay. I need one of those. We, uh, two weeks ago, I was on the show and I told you that Illinois was going to be the, the money line underdog that you had to hit. It was plus 225. I hit that. I won and I still found a way to lose money on that Saturday. Last Saturday, you know, in my mind, I don't know if you feel this way, Greg. If you come anywhere near breaking even, like if you can sniff breaking even, that's a winning weekend, right? Oh, 100%. Sometimes you just got to grind it out. Sometimes you don't have your fastball, right? You're missing the zone a little bit, but it is what it is. The best in the game, Rob, what they do is they find a way to still end in the green on a Sunday evening, even when they don't have their best stuff. But the good thing is, I don't think we're gonna have to deal with that this weekend. Because like I said, I'm not lying. I love this slate. and I can't wait to bet it. All right, winners only, winners only today. All right, before we get into the actual games, and there's a lot to talk about, I do just want to hit again on, on kind of the Heisman conversation because CJ Stroud right now at Bet Rivers is minus 150 to be the Heisman winner at the end of the season when it is all said and done, which kind of makes sense. Like he's the, the quarterback of the most high-powered offense that we see in college football right now. And there's a lot of conversation and buzz about Ohio State being the best team in football. And when it comes down to it, if you're the quarterback of the best team in football that happens to have this high-powered offense, you're probably going to end up being a favorite to win the Heisman. Minus 150. That seems a little high. Hendon Hooker, plus 700. If you could find a way to get it done, like today against Alabama, this this is a Heisman moment. Do you see any value on on Hendon or anybody else right now? There's definitely value on Hooker. There's definitely value on Caleb Williams as well. And Caleb's at plus 900 right now. Hooker's 7-1, to as you mentioned. But I... I don't feel great telling anybody like, hey, don't bet on C.J. Stroud right now because the difference between C.J. Stroud and the reason he's minus 150 in this group of elite quarterbacks at the top is that C.J. Stroud just consistently in that system throws for 300 yards and four to six touchdowns every single game. Like that's how Ohio State wants to win. I'm not necessarily sure that's how Alabama or USC have to win, even if Bryce Young comes back healthy right now. Like, They're just not going to put up the gaudy numbers that C.J. Stroud does. Ohio State looks like the best team in the country right now. We've had them number one on the field of 12 rankings for the last three weeks. 
And at this point, it would be hard to envision them losing. I know they still have to play Penn State. They still have to play Michigan. But you got to think if Ohio State runs the table, Stroud is a shoe in to win this award. That's why he is where he is. But that said, at 7-1 to one with Hooker, I mean, essentially, you're betting that Tennessee wins this game this weekend. And if they do, which they're seven-point underdogs, and we're going to get to this game, Hooker's odds are going to skyrocket here. He's going to go from seven to one to two to three to one immediately just off of Tennessee getting a win here. I think they're capable of doing that more on that later, but it's worth a sprinkle. If you think that's a realistic outcome to get him at seven to one before that jumps. Yeah. So I I may disagree with you on that point. Uh, We're going to get to that game second. We're going to open things up with Penn state at Michigan. The line right now is Michigan minus seven at home. The total there is 50.5 Penn state. They're top 10. They're undefeated. They look really good. They also haven't beaten anybody of consequence. Yes, I know. They went into Auburn and they won like 40 to 12 or whatever it was, right? Whatever. Auburn is not what we think Auburn normally is right now. But Michigan really hasn't done anything either. They've won at Iowa. Um, they won, I think it was at uh, at Indiana, right? But they haven't really blown anyone away with the teams that they've beaten. It's been the performances more than the teams that have actually beaten. So to, to me, this is the first real statement game that we have in the big 10 this entire season where do you see it going so i had to host after dark last night i shouldn't say had to i got to host i love hosting (laughs) after dark but i had to sit through christian hackenberg and clint sterner basically telling me that sean clifford is the difference in this game and i i sat after the show ended with producer dagan and producer trevor and basically spent 10 minutes just bewildered at the fact that I was told Sean Clifford is the difference in this game. Are we talking about the same Sean Clifford that Penn State is 0-7 against top five teams in his career against? Like, this is the ultimate game manager who, when he goes up against a more talented team, he struggles. We've seen that for now five seasons. So I get it. J.J. McCarthy is young, but let me throw some J.J. McCarthy numbers at you here, because if we're talking, who do we trust to manage a game better between these two teams in the big house? When I think Michigan's the more talented team, I'll take J.J. McCarthy, who has the best completion percentage in the nation at 78.3%. He has a passer rating of 128.2. That would be the highest number of NFL quarterbacks right now. He's averaging 15.4 yards per attempt on play action, Rob. That's the number one number in the country this guy's good and we know sean clifford's not good he's fine i think that clifford is the difference in this game in a negative way in the big house at night where clifford never wins against top five teams give me michigan minus seven i think they pull away late as a michigan state fan how much did it hurt to say all of that look i gotta be honest right that's what i pride myself on objectivity (laughs) And uh, look, as a Michigan State fan, I'm allowed to hate Penn State, too. So it's mm-hmm. a win-win. True. Yeah, so I think I agree with you. Um, I, I don't I don't think Penn State has done anything this season that would make me want to take them on the road. Uh, uh, the, only, the only justification that I can see for being on the Penn State side is you think that this is going to be a game that ends up like 21-17. You think Michigan's going to win, but it's going to be low scoring and it's going to be ugly, at which point I would say just take the under. Don't take the points. Just take the under if you think it's going to be ugly and low scoring. There's probably more value uh, on that number. All right. Alabama minus seven at Tennessee. We don't have any word yet on whether or not Bryce Young is going to be playing uh, based on the fact that he was in uniform last week with the pads on. uh, I would 
guess that it's probably uh, like I would probably lean towards him playing more than him sitting out again. Uh, it looks like Cedric Tillman is not going to play according to the reports that I checked last night at about one o'clock in the morning. Uh, Bama has three of their next four on the road. Tennessee still has to play at Georgia, but right now in this very moment, it feels like this is for uh, kind of supremacy in, in the SEC, right? The team that we're all going to be hyped about the team that we're all going to be talking about where all the buzz is going to uh, kind of build up to, we already talked about how important this is for Hendon hookers, Heisman chances. Do you see any way? that the Vols can get this done, Greg? Uh, just quickly. So it, it is supremacy as far as that goes. This game is for the throne of the SEC right now, but it's not for the crown. Georgia still carries the crown. That's not changing until the season ends. However, Bama and Tennessee do look like the two better football teams right now after seeing Georgia be on the ropes to Kent State and follow that up with whatever the Missouri game was. It's not hard to say these two teams look like the best two teams in the SEC. However, even with Bryce Young, I want to just pose a question to you, Doster. Are we sure this Alabama team is what they've been the last eight years? Because I don't know that I see that. This team against Hudson Card needed some late game luck to come out of that game with a win. This team last week, of course, yes, without Bryce Young, was on the ropes to a Texas A&M team that's horrendous. Let's just call it what it is. Haynes King is not a good quarterback, and he had the ball in his hands at the three-yard line to win the game. Like, I just don't know what to believe anymore. Smarter people than me are telling me that Alabama is just saving it. Like, Saban likes to get him in the trenches in a tough game. Well, he's doing it a lot because in the last two seasons, Alabama has not won by more than seven, so seven points or less or a loss, eight times almost half their games in the last two seasons have been one score or less. That's not usual going back to five years before this. I mean, that, that only happened eight times in five seasons. Now it's happening damn near half their games. Tennessee is really, really good. And Hen and Hooker is playing in this game and they're hosting game day for the second time. It's going to be a crazy environment. Seven's a key number. If it got to six and a half, I'd probably tell you to stay away, but at a full one score, or if you can even get it up to seven and a half, I love this spot for Tennessee, and I think they can win this game. Here's what I will say about that, and and the line is at plus seven right now, a little bit more juice on the Tennessee side. How many times over the years have we said, yeah, you know what, Alabama's lost it. They're not Alabama anymore. Nick Saban figured it out. This Alabama team's overrated. They're missing this. They're missing that. They're missing this. And how many times over the years have we been like, you know what, this is the year for Tennessee. They're going to find a way to get it done. This is when they take that next step in the program. It just feels like the narratives are colliding to the point where Alabama just wins this game, right? Alabama goes in there and steamrolls Tennessee. It just It feels like that's kind of where these narratives lead to. Am I crazy in saying that? I don't think you're crazy, but I, I think they can win the game without comfortably covering. I don't see a blowout in this spot. If Bryce Young was 100%, no questions asked, maybe even then I still think this would be a relatively close game but I don't know how you can feel great betting Alabama in this spot not knowing with that uncertainty with what Bryce Young is going to be even if he plays I think he's going to feel the effects of that injury that's not just a six days and you're back to 100% injury that's a lingering thing so again this comes down to do you believe Tennessee's actually close to as good as we might hope they are right now. I really do think they are. I think Hendon Hooker's that good. Uh, I think this defense is that good. And I don't trust Alabama to the fullest extent the way I've seen them six seasons running 
to lay more than seven, like seven, such a key number, Rob, even if Alabama's up two scores, Tennessee can tie that up late and, and cover. And I like that. Yeah. Just slide in the back door there. Right. Um, I think I'm probably staying away from this game. This might be the one where uh, I, I just sit down and enjoy the fact that we have two top six teams going up against each other in a wild environment uh, like Nayland Stadium is going to end up being. If anything, I, I think there's some value on the under if you don't think that uh, Bryce Young is going to end up playing. I, look, I, I hate being the guy that says bet the under, right? But I, I feel like these two games, these two uh, marquee showdowns that we have on Saturday, are the under seems like there's a little bit of value there. All right, let's roll through some of these a little bit more quickly. Oklahoma State at TCU. Uh, Oklahoma State and TCU are both 2-0 in the Big 12. It looks like this could end up being a clash for maybe the two best teams in that conference. Maybe uh, something close to a, a playoff spot on the line for the winner here. Uh, TCU is minus four. The total there is 68 and a half. Uh, where do you stand? What do you see? First of all, I think these are definitely the best two teams in the Big 12. Uh, I, I would have loved to say that Kansas was up there, but with the Jalen Daniels injury, it's just impossible. And my heart is broken about it. But I think both these football teams are very, very good. I think both are very, very capable of winning this game. And it, it scares me as someone who has sprinkled a future on Oklahoma state to win this conference before the season, that this game is at TCU. It feels like everybody wants to take Oklahoma state here. And that's always a terrifying thing. I'm still going to do it though. I'm still going to take the four points for sure. And I'm also going to take Oklahoma state to win this game because I think their front seven is legit. And it's something that TCU hasn't seen. They lead the big 12 in sacks per game. They're the FBS leader in tackles per loss per game. And they've taken care of their business five and one uh, in six games going back seasons past when both teams have been ranked. Oklahoma state has won those games, five of the last six. I mean, they show up in the big spot. This is certainly a big spot. And I trust Spencer Sanders. I trust that team more than I trust TCU and Max Duggan. Uh, Yeah, I agree. It's scary to be on the same page with you on anything, but I think Oklahoma state money line is, uh, it's tasty. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, all right. USC at Utah. USC is getting three and a half points in this spot against a four and two Utah team. Total there is 65. USC is six and zero, oh, but they've struggled in their last three games against Oregon State and Arizona State and Wazoo. Uh, do you trust Utah dealing with some of the injuries that they have been dealing with? Or is this the kind of thing where it's like, look, USC is going to come in here. This is their chance to finally make a statement this season. I don't trust Utah at all, whether it's due to injuries, whether it's not, I don't know. You guys can tell me on that. They're certainly hurt. So that's part of it. But look, I think that we all collectively, I say we, because as a, as a network here, we've put a lot of stock into Utah. We call them the biker gang. We talk about their toughness, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What's that coming from? They were a good football team last year who jumped out to a three-score lead on an Ohio State team that was absolutely sleepwalking in the Rose Bowl. And then Ohio State woke up and just took the game back, right? Mm -hmm. Like, And I get Cam Rising got hurt, but are we really giving Utah that much credit for just coming prepared to play in a game that Ohio State clearly wasn't and then still lost that game? It feels a little off to me. I think that's lingered into this season, and I can't believe Utah's favored by three and a half points in this spot. USC's very good. Caleb Williams is a superstar. He's the most creative quarterback we have in the country. Every game he does two to three things that I have not seen any other player do this season, but their rushing game is where I think they win this game. And if you look at Utah for how tough they're supposed to be, 
they've gotten absolutely gashed in their two biggest games of the season on the ground. They gave up 198 yards to Zach Charbonnet. They gave up 106 yards and three touchdowns to Anthony Richardson to the point we had to pretend Anthony Richardson was as good as the best quarterbacks in the country. I'm just not buying it. I think Travis Dye is going to go crazy in this game for USC. Caleb Williams will make a big play when needed. I'll take the points, though. I'm not necessarily going to go money line. I'm going to take USC plus three and a half. Oh, soft. Don't go soft on me, Greg. Well, doesn't it scare you a little bit, though, because everyone and their mothers are on USC in this spot. Vegas wants us betting USC. Oh, it is a trap. It it's is terrible. A trap. I, I just, I, I think, I mean, it's, I'm not buying Utah, right? Maybe that's just me, but I'm not buying Utah. I like uh, USC here. I like the money line. It's plus 135. Again, we'll talk about that in a little bit. All right, NC State at Syracuse, which is, uh, I did not expect to see the best game in the ACC um, in week seven in college football to be NC State and Syracuse. Syracuse is laying three and a half points. Total there is 42. The Cuse is five and oh. I don't like saying nice things about Syracuse, but I got to say nice, nice things about Syracuse. They haven't done anything, though. They've beaten Purdue. They've beaten UVA. I'm not really impressed with any of that. Uh, for my money, though, if NC State is legit, if they're actually as good as the Wolfpack fans think that they are, this is a game that they, they have to win, right? Devin Leary's got to show up. Yeah, I, just to push back on a couple things here. This is not the best game of the ACC this weekend. That's a game we're going to talk about in just a second. Uh, and second, you said that Cuse hasn't done anything this year. At the very least, we have to give their head coach credit for not committing vehicular manslaughter. That hasn't happened on the basketball side of things always. So, look, Syracuse has a horseshoe up their ass this year, Rob. That, that is what it is. They've won games they shouldn't win. They should have lost to Purdue. They should have lost to Virginia. And now they play NC State, who's a better football team across the board. But we don't know if Devin Leary can even play. I mean, I don't know what you do with that. It's a stay away from me because I don't trust either side. If I had to bet it, I'll bet the team that just keeps pulling wins out of their ass in Syracuse. And Leary probably won't play. And Syracuse will run away with this game and we'll think they're really good. And we'll talk about it next week. I can't can't believe you went there. Maybe you got to get this guy's last coffee in the morning. (laughs) Oh, all right. Um, I'm. I don't. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to invest any money on this game. These are two teams that I don't feel uh, I trust at all. And yeah, I'm staying away. Um, Again, I am not going to stay away from is Clemson minus three and a half at Florida State. Total there is 51 according to Bet Rivers. Florida State's lost two in a row. Uh, It was against NC State. It was against Wake Forest at home. A couple of good teams. Um, But it feels like right now this is Clemson and DJU peaking right they won at wake forest in the double overtime thriller they beat nc state in the game where they they kind of controlled that game from the jump right they blew out a bc team that is not as bad as typical bc teams are and it just it feels like this is clemson kind of coming into their own and if they're coming into their own then they're going into tallahassee and they're winning this game and it just i i I would love for Florida State to be back. I want Florida State to be back. I think college football is better when Florida State is really, really good in a relevant football program. I just think Clemson is going to go in there and show them who the king of the the ACC is. And look, I promise you, it does not feel comfortable to sit here and say, I like four road teams in the four biggest games of the day. (laughs) I I, I don't like where I'm sitting right now, but it's just I I do. I can't help it. It's the classic, like, I talk about how much I love the slate and I'm on every single road team. <laughs> that doesn't feel good at all. You're right. But uh, there's reason to to feel that way in this game, right? Clemson, I think, is 
back, if we can say that definitively. I mean, DJ has been great and he was the problem last year, right? Like if we wanted to point fingers and say why Clemson wasn't Clemson last year, it was because of the quarterback play. He's been really, really good this season and they've won their big games because he's been really, really good this season. And I look, I think Wake Forest is the second best team in the ACC. I think they showed that when they played Florida State and they won comfortably. And Clemson took care of that test. NC State, when Leary was healthy, Clemson took care of that test, right? Like Florida State has survived. Give them credit for that. The the LSU game, I think, shifted the way we look at Florida State entirely. They shouldn't have won that game. If anybody's being honest, LSU should have just walked to a victory down the stretch of that game. It didn't happen. And now I think we've been convinced Florida State has some mystique to them because they pulled that game out. And look, last week, Jordan Travis essentially handed the game away when he threw a, a just an insanely bad interception uh, in the red zone at the end of the game. I don't trust anything about Florida State the way that I trust Clemson and DJ right now, which feels odd to say. But I, I think this could be a blowout. I really do. Clemson's the better team at every position. Minus three and a half doesn't scare me. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be a blow, but I do think that Clemson ends up winning by 10 points. Uh, I would not be surprised if it was a double-digit win. All right, a couple quick hitters that we got to get to. Wisconsin minus eight at Michigan State. Total there is 49 and a half. <laughs> it feels like uh, who you're, you're betting the biggest loser here, right? One team fired their head coach after a 34 to 10 loss to Illinois. Sorry, Trevor. Uh, and um, Michigan State has what, lost four straight games? Have they been competitive in any of those four games? You know, you saw you got one pick six on the first drive of the game against Ohio State, and I, I think that was like the one good play the Spartans have had in what a month. You tell, look, you're the Michigan State fan, you're the Spartans expert here. Go green, go white. Where do you stand? I mean, it's go green, go white for sure, but uh, it's said very sadly, very somberly right now. Look. Uh, I give Mel Tucker credit anytime anybody can rob a bank the way he did. I mean, you have to just be wowed by it and he still is getting away with it. But uh, I, I compared CJ Stroud's pick six to getting knocked out by a punch from Stevie wonder. Like it just, you should not throw a pick six to the Michigan state defense and Stroud did. I don't know how that happened. I don't really give Michigan state credit for it, but at least it was fun. That was the most thrill I've had from Michigan state football in a month, Rob. Look, I'm going to sound crazy. This might be homery, but eight points is a lot of points. And I don't like anything that's happening with Wisconsin right now. Obviously they, they fired on all cylinders after firing Chris to blow out Northwestern, but Northwestern's horrible. I think they're more horrible than Michigan State is horrible, as crazy as that sounds. This is a homecoming game. There will be at least some juice at kickoff in that stadium. So I like Michigan State plus eight. Wisconsin's losing players right now, too. They've got offensive linemen that are transferring midseason. I think they're in danger of just to give it up, hang it up on the season type thing. I like the under here as well, 49 and a half. I mean, how can you not like the under there? Both these teams are bad. This is going to be ugly football. Michigan State plus eight and the under. Yeah, I like the under there. I don't I don't want to be on either side because I do think that there is legitimate reason to think that Wisconsin is a much better team on paper than Michigan State and that having a new voice in that locker room has kind of re-energized some of the guys that are playing. I know that they're losing players, but um, they call it the new coach bounce, right? And I would not be surprised if that lasted to the second game. I don't want to be on either side, but this – I mean, it's Wisconsin, man. You can't bet an over on a Wisconsin game. You just can't do it. It's not allowed. It's illegal. 
Um, when, when you start betting overs on Wisconsin, that's when they make you call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, Minnesota, minus 6.5 at Illinois. Minnesota had all the, uh, the, the momentum, it felt like, a week ago, and then they lost Mo Ibrahim, and they lost to Purdue. It looks like he's going to end up being back this week. But Illinois, they're 5-1. at one. They won at Wisconsin. They beat Iowa in one of the ugliest football games that have, has ever been played. So do you trust the Illini? They're at home. They're getting six and a half points in a game where the total is 39. Yeah, look, I do trust the Illini when they're healthy is the key qualifier there. And they might not have their quarterback in this game. Uh, The latest is that his status is still up in the air, which is good news. Everybody sort of had mentally ruled him out for this game. And as of yesterday, hold on. We don't know. I think they're going to try and play him. That's just a gut feeling. Uh, I'm surprised this is six and a half which feels a little trappy to me. It's like they want you to take Illinois. Uh, Minnesota on a neutral field certainly is the better football team here if they're fully healthy. And I think they're fully healthy if they get the running back back here. But it's still P.J. Fleck who any given game he can shock you and steal a game where they're 20-point underdogs. But any given game he can lose a game they're 14-point favorites. I don't know how you feel good about backing a P.J. Fleck team to cover six and a half on the road against a five and one football team ranked for the first time in like 11 years. I don't know. I think there's some juice in the stadium for this one. Even with the quarterback concerns, I'll take the six and a half points mostly because I need to back a home team here. And this is a good spot to pick one. Yeah. I'm just, I'm going to hope it gets to seven. I want that half a point. I might even buy a half a point, but I think you want to be the side you want to be on is Illinois here. Um, I agree with you for all of the reasons that you just said. All right. LSU at Florida. Florida's laying two and a half. The total there is 50.5. It's been three weeks, Greg, since we had anything to talk about when it comes to Florida. But since then, they've, you know, after they uh they they lost to Tennessee, they they beat Missouri, they beat, I think it was Eastern Washington, one of those, some school that they shouldn't be playing at this point in the season. Uh, but it looks like they've kind of figured some things out a little bit. So where do you stand right now on LSU at Florida? I like Florida, and the biggest reason why you kind of hit on it, nobody's talking about Florida. I love Florida. I love Anthony Richardson when nobody's talking about them. You think back to the Utah game at the beginning of the season, everybody wanted to talk about Utah. Nobody wanted to talk about Anthony Richardson. What do they do? They shock you. They get this surprising win. Everybody's talking about Florida. What happens the next two weeks? Florida's horrible. So I think it's a great thing for this football team that they're sort of out of the national conversation right now. Maybe they get back into it after this week, but for as long as they're not in it, Uh, Going into the swamp, tough place to play. LSU, we saw them last week against a talented team. They got smoked. And uh, look, Brian Kelly's going to put good football on the field at some point at that program. I don't think he has the the Jimmys and the Joes this year to do that. If Florida plays well, I like them minus two and a half here. The Jimmys and the Joes. That's how I know you've been hosting After Dark too much is when you start dropping Jimmys and Joes. Um, (laughs) Iowa State at Texas. Texas, minus 16 and a half. Total there was 48 and a half. Quinn Ewers, 21 for 31, 289 yards, four tutties, and a 49 to nothing Red River shutout. You can buy that t-shirt at field68.shop in our merch store. Greg, tell me why I should not be all in on the Longhorns in this spot. Tell me why I need to pump the brakes a little bit and not get all the way in on this Quinn Ewers bandwagon. Because 16 and a half is a ton of points and Iowa state plays close games against good teams or at least solid teams this season. If you go through their schedule, 
Uh, we'll start with one that you'll laugh at me for calling them good and or solid. Iowa State beats Iowa at Kinnick by three. Then they play Baylor at the time, 17th in the country. They lost by seven points in that game. They go on the road to Kansas, who was the, the hottest story in college football at the time with a healthy Jalen Daniels. Iowa State loses by three. They host Kansas State last week, undefeated in the Big 12. Still, Kansas State, good football team. They lost by one. Iowa State plays close games. I don't think they're 16 points worse than Texas. I think this line is juiced up because of what Texas just did to Oklahoma. But again, newsflash, any team can do that to Oklahoma right now. We'll see what happens this week when Kansas plays Oklahoma. But like, did you see what TCU did to them a week ago? Like anybody can beat Oklahoma by 21 points right now. Uh, I'm going to take the 16 and a half here. I don't think Iowa State's particularly great, but it's way, way, way too many points for a program I respect against a Texas team that's probably feeling themselves right now and feels like a letdown spot. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. But are you aware that Quinn Ewers has the mullet of destiny? I mean, I've heard talk of the mullet of destiny, Rob. I don't know that I'm as aware as you are, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm mostly making jokes. I think that you are exactly right. This is – I love letdown spots, right? I love them, especially in college basketball. On the football side, it it works as well. And this is the quintessential letdown spot. I'd be, you, know, you know what? The quintessential letdown spot would be if this was on the road. But it's at home. You just won the, the biggest game you've ever played against your biggest rival in the most embarrassing way possible. You had Trevor Knight leaving that game at halftime in tears, crying on the bus ride home. It's uh, it, it just feels like this is a spot that Iowa I, I think Texas will win. If you want to throw them in your, uh, your little retirement parlay, I think that it, it makes sense to get the money line there. Uh, but I do think that Iowa state makes this a game and it ends up being something like 21, 17, right? Something ugly. Uh, all right. We'll get to Moneyline money line Underdogs in one second. But before we do, Greg, it is time for the retirement parlay. It's the, moment everybody's, it's the moment everybody's been waiting for, Rob. I mean, I wouldn't blame you if you set alarms at this point for this. Uh, look, have we won one this year? No. Is that going to continue? No chance. We're winning one before the season ends. I love the slate this week, and I love this parlay this week. Five legs, Rob. In fact, I'm going to go a, a little different name. It is still the retirement parlay. But this is the basketball school parlay, Rob. $100 to win $24,276.28. Never forget the cents. Only five games. Kansas money line at Oklahoma. Oklahoma stinks. Anybody can beat them. Illinois money line at home against Minnesota. If the quarterback's healthy, love the spot. Michigan State money line at home against Wisconsin. Wisconsin players are dropping like flies. Homecoming game for the Spartans. Kentucky money line at home against Mississippi State. Levis is back. Kentucky's a good football team. Duke money line at home against North Carolina. Carolina always blows games. They shouldn't. This is the classic Carolina letdown loss. Five games, hundred dollars, twenty-four thousand on the line. Tell me why that doesn't hit, Rob. Well, part of the reason is that you're back in Michigan State, and uh, you know that's a little jab right there. No, I like it. I like it. I think it's it, it's savvy. If you want to throw a couple of other games in there, uh, Jimmy Ott. Shout out to Jimmy Ott. His money line underdog pick of the week was Duke plus two ten. So he's on the same side as you there. But there's two other money line underdogs that I really really like. We touched on them earlier. USC. I don't think we really need to elaborate on that too much. And Oklahoma State on the road, plus 150. USC is plus 135. Uh, do you like either of those? Where else do you stand? I like both of those, for the record. Uh, I, I'm with you on USC. You've talked me into betting money line just in the span of this show. I'm not going to be a wimp and only take the three and a half. 
Uh, I, look, I'll put my money where my mouth is on one game and one game only this week, Rob. Tennessee is going to beat Alabama. I see it. I see it coming. I don't think Bryce Young is healthy. I think Tennessee is fantastic, and I think Hendon Hooker is going to be the talk of the Heisman conversation as soon as next Monday. And I'm going to have to make all the graphics, and I've already got them made because I think Tennessee wins this football game. You already made the graphics. I have made two Hendon Hooker Heisman graphics in pursuit of Tennessee winning this game. (laughs) Oh, I love it, man. You're putting the cart before the horse, but there's nothing better than putting the cart before the horse. All right, what is your favorite play of the week? Is it Tennessee? Tennessee plus the points is my favorite play of the week. Yeah. If you can get it up to seven and a half, I got it seven and a half early this week. Uh, I would recommend buying a point at this point. Why not? They're not losing by more than seven. They're a good football team. Yeah. So I love Clemson minus three and a half. It just, that that's, I think that they steamroll them, man. I think that this is a, uh, a statement. I've said statement game a lot, but it feels like this is a chance for kind of DJU to, to stamp his, uh, his certification on this season and this team and this performance. So great. You, you know what else real quick? It's not just a statement game for a lot of teams this week. It's a statement week for you and I, Rob, we are aligned on too many games this week. I don't think either of us feel good. The week or the season has not gone how we expected it to at this point, but we're both looking the camera dead in the eyes saying we love the slate. That ice coffee's waiting for me right now. All right. Before, Stay so let, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. I'm trying to be confident, right? Life is confidence, right, Greg? I want to go into this week being confident. I cannot go into this week being confident because I've been scarred. I've been broken. I've been hurt before by the gambling gods. What can I do? I have 26 hours now, 26 hours before we get kickoff in Penn State and Michigan, right? That's when it really starts for the college football weekend. What can I do to appease the gambling gods? How do I make a sacrifice? Do I need to dump out Greg's iced coffee? Do I need to go to Dunkin' Donuts right now and buy an iced mocha and throw it against the wall and sacrifice it for the good of the, the gambling? What, how do I do this? How do I fix it? Not at all. I'll tell you exactly what you got to do, Rob. And it's exactly what I'm going to do. Like I said, I have my routine. I've got three things I'm doing today. I'm getting a nice coffee. I'm going to play nine holes at my home course. And then I'm locking in on Philly's money line in the afternoon because that's what a good better does. They find some value and they make bets. Okay, you need to find peace, Rob. That's what you need to do in your life. You need to find wherever that peace comes for you. Where are you most happy? Where are you most comfortable? Find your comfort zone. Pick three activities to play into that this afternoon. Go get something to eat. Get a favorite food. Get a comfort food. Go find somewhere where you can tune out the entire world. Forget about everything I'm telling you and find your meditation and then find one play you love to get you your appetizer before tomorrow, Rob. If you do those three things and you and I lock in, maybe I get a phone call from Rob Doss around 10 a.m. tomorrow on a Saturday. We're going to be in a good spot. I'm ready. I'm ready. You said Philly's money line? Philly's money line, baby. Let's, let's go. We're off. We're off and running. Let's get it still going. This has been the field of uh, field of 12. I almost said field of 68. The field of 12's week seven best bet show for Greg Waddell, a.k.a. G. Wizzy, B.K.A., the king of the retirement parlay. My name has been Rob Doster. Shout out, Jimmy Ott.